Well, hello, hello to everyone once again, and welcome to yet another edition of ESPN's Formula One podcast. I'm Alexis Nunes, and I've finally been kind of reunited with my two usual sidekicks. So to be fair, I'll be their sidekicks, because they are definitely the superheroes, Nate Saunders and Lawrence Edmondson. Lawrence is back from Australia after what's been an absolutely crazy couple of weeks, or just even the last week, and... You know, a lot of uncertainty surrounding just the pandemic of the coronavirus that's going on in the world that's completely halted, you know, people's lives. And of course, the sporting world, we know that we have plenty more questions, not enough answers yet, but we're going to try and tackle some of them, at least as it pertains to Formula One, because we do have Lawrence back here. And Lawrence, just like I said, last week, we were just trying to, you know, grasp what exactly what was going on, what is going to go on, because now we know that the... Australian Grand Prix has been postponed slash cancelled. You'll definitely clear that up in the next three races after that as well. No surprise, as you know, a lot of the drivers also were calling for it. We've seen events in sport just being cancelled and postponed throughout. So what was it just like being out there and, and just waiting for these, you know, updates to come? Because I know Nate and I were here in the UK and we were just getting frustrated wondering what was going on. Yeah, it was a very strange weekend, unlike anything that I've ever reported on before. Um, even there on the Thursday, we, uh, we actually we, we learned that there were some people going for tests for coronavirus on the Wednesday afternoon. So um, I was kind of in the paddock on Wednesday afternoon. We found that out. So that was um, kind of all of a sudden the focus was on that. And obviously, as soon as that happened, we knew that this wasn't going to be a normal weekend. This was you know, something that was probably going to hang over the race, no matter what, whether it went ahead or whether it didn't. And um, of course... Then moving forward to Thursday evening, and when we found out that one of the uh, McLaren guys had uh, tested positive, um, yeah, th- then everything changed, you know, and everything was up in the air. That actually came through quite late Australian time. I know you guys were back in London and um, kind of uh, talking about it there. But yeah, but for us, uh, everyone had left the paddock and kind of gone back, and we were almost kind of thinking, well, maybe we won't get uh, news of, of the results of the test uh, today because it, it, it seems to very massively depending on where you are in the world and what the healthcare system can put up with as to when you get results if, if you've been tested. And um, but it came for about 10 p.m. that night. And uh, what we kind of thought, because um, Formula One and the FIA had been given some pre-warning here, we all knew that these people were going uh, uh, from both the Haas team, the, uh, the McLaren team, and uh, a few others were going for these tests. So we kind of felt that there's a high chance that the FIA will react quite quickly to this because they've had a whole day really to think about it. And, uh, with in the knowledge that there was a chance that the worst case scenario could, could come true and that there is somebody in the paddock who has coronavirus. And it just didn't, uh, n- n- nothing really happened. We didn't get a proper statement from the FIA. F1 put something out on their Twitter feed, but it didn't really tell us anything other than they were, you know, kind of like continuing to figure out what to do. And, um, what then actually happened was that uh, the team principals and um, FIA and Form 1 went into a meeting. Uh, there's different kind of variations on the story of what happened in that meeting, who was originally for racing, who wanted to call it off immediately. But um, it became clear that when that meeting came to a halt, uh, the time that uh, we were told was around 2.30 in the morning, the teams had decided between themselves pretty much um, by a majority vote that they wouldn't be racing. So that was about 2.30 in the morning. Um, so at that point, you would have thought, okay, you know, it's not ideal timing to put out a press release, but go for it. And um, 
and you know, and we can make sure that everyone is in the right place on Friday morning to basically be packing up and taking stuff home. Because, for example, Kimi Räikkönen and Sebastian Vettel were on a 6 a.m. flight out of Melbourne. There was no way this race was going to go ahead as planned. Um, but there still seemed to be some, you know, still teams that wanted to do it. Uh, the FIA and Formula needed 12 cars to race uh, to be to, to be able to get a race together, and um, and so there was still this kind of vague confusion, even though it was quite clear, and a lot of people had already been told that they were going home. Uh, so yeah, it, it was just the most bizarre set of circumstances. It was only at 10 a.m. that we had final confirmation of what was happening, by which point, you know, uh, pretty much everyone uh, was aware there wasn't going to be a race, and uh, some of the teams were already um, packing down equipment. So it was um, it was a very odd kind of uh, 48 hours in Melbourne, which is pretty much all we had of the race weekend. No cars, uh, well, no Formula 1 cars went on track. There were a few support races out on the Thursday, but no F1 cars out on track. And as of Friday, uh, no fans let into the into the circuit. And then, of course, we're, we're here where we are now, which is not really knowing when the season's going to get back underway. And what you were saying before as well, that it's not necessarily that it's officially cancelled or, say, the, the, the races, because we know now it's um, four overall, correct? Yeah, so uh, the first four races we know aren't going to go ahead as planned. Um, I think contractually speaking, from what I understand, they've all been postponed. Uh, they said in the um, press release about the Australian Grand Prix that had been cancelled, but Andrew Westercott, who is the CEO of the Australian Grand Prix Corporation, explained that they said that because they didn't want any fans kind of hanging around in Melbourne in the belief that maybe the race would go ahead in a few weeks' time, or not even a few weeks' time, a few days' time, if they'd said it was postponed. So I think it was to offer some clarity to the fans that, sorry, you bought a ticket, it's no longer um, going to be uh, worth anything, essentially, and we'll try and organise the refunds on that. So that was the clarity. But um, they were asked a lot about who's going to pay for this, who's going to put the bill for um, the race that didn't happen. And uh, obviously that could either be Formula One, if, uh, and that's usually the case if Formula One cancelled it, which we believe they did. Uh, they informed the Australian Grand Prix Corporation. Or if the Grand Prix itself had uh, had cancelled it, it, they would put the bill. But it, it, it looks like it was postponed. Um, kind of that was the uh, the eventual agreement uh, from the F1 side, it seems. And but the, the reality is, is, is that race um, being as it is in a in a park, essentially um, in the middle of Melbourne. There's no real way they're going to uh, be able to uh, build that all up again and kind of get it into a date later in the year. I, so I, I really think, for all intents and purposes, we're not going to get an Australian Grand Prix this year. The next one will be in 2021. Uh, we certainly hope so anyway. Um, but it, then it will just be a matter of um, kind of handing it over to the contract lawyers to decide who pays what and uh, where the money goes. And that's, um, that's always a pretty difficult job. But it's also one of the things that, kind of informs the decisions that, that are made and I don't think there's any doubts about that unfortunately. I know well I just have, definitely have to touch on, on on Nate here now because I was with Nate last week when you know things were I guess all hell was really breaking loose or it felt like that at least and Nate definitely you had some strong opinions on how everything was being handled as well just what's your take on everything now that it's, it's all official that we you know the world has pretty much come to a halt. Yeah I mean <clears throat> it's pretty crazy seeing how it's all unfolded and and on this end i mean lawrence and i were uh on the other side of the globe from each other you know i was back here in the uk with you and so we kind of we almost got the um the delayed response kind of playing out in real time across what was basically a day in the office here and it was crazy as as lawrence said i think the expectation was that as soon as the mclaren team member 
um, tested positive that the race would pretty swiftly be called off. But then you had that bizarre waiting period afterwards. And it was, it was, we spoke about it last week. It was just absolutely appallingly handled. And I think it speaks a lot about where Formula One is, kind of showed a real lack of leadership about stuff. And I think you've, you, there's been some quite telling responses from different sports. And you've, you, you almost, you almost see the, the, the sports and the series that are very well run. And you look at the way they've handled this crisis compared to the ones that aren't so well run. Um, and I'd argue you can kind of, it's not always, it's not a perfect science, but that seems to be, um, it seems to indicate quite well, you know, which, which sports are run well, which sports are willing to take those kind of tough decisions. And as Lawrence said, there's obviously a lot riding on these things in terms of who cancels what and who makes the call. But yeah, it was just a frustrating day to be part of. And we were kind of, we were kind of waiting to do a, a podcast on it, weren't we, Alexis? And it was almost yep. like, well, <laughs> we don't know when we're going to be able to do it because we know the race is almost certainly going to be cancelled, but it just seemed like Formula One were the only people that didn't think that. So it was really strange. Um, it was bizarre on this on this side, and as Lawrence said, it sounded utterly bizarre on that side being on the ground there. It is. I, suppose, I, I mean, I definitely appreciate that these are unprecedented times, as Lawrence said. I can't remember a time where he's ever had to do this. I personally, in all my career, I can't remember a time where literally the entire sporting world has just had to come to a halt with the exception of UFC that's still trying to hang on there but that's for a story for another podcast but even now I suppose all the questions that are left you know are just how what where do we go from here how and I remember of course we spoke about the Chinese Grand Prix and when that you know when a decision had to be made there before the season started and you guys basically touched on the fact that this was such a big event there. The Chinese market is is a big one, and they would try to do the absolute most to make that happen at least some other time because they want, you know, to, to appease that market, I suppose. There, but now that we've had not one, not even two, not even three, but four races that have just been cancelled. I mean, where does this leave the season? You know, as as big of a question and as tough of a question as that, but you know, can we even have like a a proper season now? Well, it depends. The big question is. Um, is when we start and that's not really one which um, anyone has any control over that's entirely down to uh, how things develop worldwide and um, how the virus spreads and where it spreads and how different countries deal with it and whether they put in restrictions on travel and stuff like that at the moment the kind of uh, generally held opinion is that uh, the best place to target would be Azerbaijan uh, in June now depends on different forecasts of how the virus is going to spread and stuff like that. But that does seem, uh, well, it certainly seems far enough away that, you know, we could, we could have quite a different situation by then. But it also means that we're, we're going to miss out on not only the four that we've already talked about, which is Australia, Bahrain, Vietnam and China, but then um, we'll also lose the Dutch Grand Prix, the Spanish Grand Prix and the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, some big names in there. Uh, but... Um, there is also opportunities to reschedule some of those later in the year. And I think because we're going to lose so much of the racing, if we, you know, we're not starting until June potentially, uh, when we should have been starting in, in mid-March. Um, that means things like the uh, F1 summer break, which uh, traditionally kind of ran through August and gave teams a chance to uh, regroup and team members a chance to go on basically enforced holiday, which um, always seemed like kind of slightly strange thing to me, but actually works quite well in the world of Formula One. Uh, because it ensures people get some time with their families. Um, if they scrap that, uh, then there's a chance to put uh, at least one race in, uh, possibly two, depending on how you structure it. Um, but I think uh, it seems very likely that the Spanish Grand Prix won't be rescheduled. 
there's not a huge amount of money in that one. There's no contract beyond the end of this year. So I think that's one that uh, F1 seems quite willing uh, to let slide. And uh, and funny enough, the Monaco Grand Prix as well. Um, the Monaco Grand Prix, obviously, huge event, uh, hugely popular, but it's um, unique uh, on the F1 calendar in that it doesn't pay a sanctioning fee to Formula 1 itself. So when Formula 1 starts to look at the reality of the 2020 season and how it's going to hit its books, uh, losing the Monaco Grand Prix um, is not ideal. It's not what they want because it's always a, a popular one on TV and uh, among fans. But um, it could go, and it, you know, and it's unlikely to be rescheduled. Also, again, another race where um, I, I was looking it up earlier today, and it takes them about six to seven weeks um, to uh, to turn Monte Carlo and Monaco itself into a racetrack. And so, um, really, that decision on whether Monaco is going to go ahead is probably going to come in early April. Um, assuming that doesn't happen, then I think that race is off uh, for this year as well. Uh, it'll be the first time we haven't had a Monaco Grand Prix since 1954, which is quite a strange wow. situation to be in. But um, but that's the reality of, of where we are. And then and then if you start in Baku and you have um, what would hopefully be uh, Azerbaijan, followed by Canada, followed by France, followed by Austria, again so dependent on how the virus is in these in these various countries and different continents and so on. Um, but, uh, but that could be a possibility. Uh, and then you're kind of running through uh, with a, what is the current calendar, Britain, Hungary, uh, although those could be squashed together potentially as well uh, to then maybe bring in the Dutch Grand Prix in the summer break. And who knows, maybe even Bahrain. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough one, but there's that little gap there. Maybe even Shanghai, if you could get uh, the time on either side uh, to, do a, to do a flyaway in that period. We have Canada as an example of a flyaway in the middle of the European season. So maybe if not, then you look to moving Abu Dhabi at the end of the year, which is the final race. If you uh, move that back a couple of weeks to its kind of latest possible date, which will probably be December 12th, 13th, before you start putting it right before Christmas, which would be pretty unpopular, uh, then you open up maybe a, a week or two for races there. Um, and then there's talk of all different ways of running races, uh, but um, perhaps Nate, do you want to fill us in on, on what they could do with two-day race weekend, stuff like that. Yeah, so, I mean, th- that could be a um, one of the interesting things about this. When Formula 1 does start again, we're potentially going to have some some pretty, I guess, experimental things going on. We've we've talked a lot, Lawrence and I, we've got a lot of time to kill on, you know, in airport waiting lounges and on drives into the circuits about different different things we'd like to see in a, 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 in a weekend, and I think they're going to be forced to um, shorten these things down. Um and I mean, there's all sorts of things that have been talked about before. There's obviously the idea of a reverse grid and stuff was talked about, but I don't think they'd go that extreme with it. But it's it seems more like, um, you know, one practice session followed by qualifying and then, you know, and then into the race on the Sunday, which I've always thought is quite a nice idea. I think it helps the smaller teams that the big teams have less running and less data to kind of feed back to their factories and stuff like that. And we tend to see the less practice there is. It Often it seemed last year that, in those weekends where we didn't have too much practice, um, the races were, were much better. It was much more unpredictable out in front, and uh, especially with Mercedes, you know, I think when they go into race weekends and they've got less practice, there's a lot more unknowns about them. So um, hopefully that could be... I don't want to use... The, it's weird using the phrase silver lining for this whole situation, but from a championship perspective, that might be quite an interesting thing to it when we do finally get racing. But, but like Lawrence said, it's impossible to predict. I mean, Azerbaijan looks looks like a good bet, but then after that... Yeah, like the situation in Europe right now, um, there could potentially not be a race in Europe. You know, this this year, if you look at how the calendar falls, 
we might not get one until till Italy or Belgium, which is um, after the usual summer break. So, pretty crazy situation. Um, Lawrence, if you were, if you were, I was just gonna, I was gonna throw this um, into the mix. What one thing would you do to um, spice a, a race weekend calendar up if you had the if you had the chance to do so? Well, that's a very good question. I'm, I've always been quite a big fan of qualifying races, but I don't think yeah. uh, that really helps us in this situation um, because it's kind of one of those things where you probably need a bit of a bit more practice time before rather than rather than less. But I've always quite liked the idea of qualifying races. I figure you know the racing is usually the most exciting part. But it all depends on the circuit a bit, doesn't it? There's some circuits where qualifying is an absolute thrill to watch, like Monaco, for example, and you wouldn't want to have yeah. a qualifying race there. But there's you know if, if you can mix it up and this is something that Lewis Hamilton's been talking about for a while is that, you know, why do we have the same schedule every race we go to? Why don't we mix it up a bit and play yeah. some strengths with certain circuits? Well, especially um, when, so there's, like, when know, there's 22 races as well. It gets very samey very quickly. So it's um it's a good point. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think for the, for the two-race schedule thing, this is something which um, F1 is, is willing to, to try out because if they can find a way essentially to make triple headers work, we've had triple headers in the past, which we have three races in consecutive weekends, and uh, the teams don't like it because moving the freight around uh, is pretty difficult. Uh, mechanics get absolutely knackered working uh, three, three-day kind of, you know, weekend, well, four-day really because they start their work on the Thursday very much. Um, in fact, a lot of them arrive on the Wednesday. So, you know, th- th- they're looking at ways of shortening the weekend and, and, and that could really work and that will be essential if they're looking at getting 18 races into this year. You're not going to be able to have your standard uh, what we kind of see as a four-day weekend, which is where we all turn up and do the media on Thursday. There's a full practice day on Friday. There's qualifying day on Saturday, and there's a race on Sunday. Now, when you add uh, Wednesday arriving and setting up, in fact, some races there, you know, they're kind of Tuesday setting up and packing it all down uh, by the end of Monday. Um, if you can condense that uh, significantly, uh, then all of a sudden the, the thought of doing uh, three back-to-back races, even if they're in quite different parts of the world. So let's say if you did a kind of Vietnam-China one, which is two uh, countries very close to each other, and then maybe Abu Dhabi. Just speculating here, but looking at the calendar, that's the kind of thing that you may have to consider. Um, then uh, then two-day race weekends are, are essential for that. And um, add to that as well, sometimes the problems with uh, getting freight in and out of certain countries like China through customs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- th- these are all kind of options that will open up um, you know, opportunities to get more racing at the end of the year. And then the way that F1 looks at it as well, well, if this is proven to be a success with shorter race weekends, that opens up the idea, uh, or a much more palatable idea of having 25 races over, uh, over a year, which is something that they've actually looked at uh, sometimes as a kind of target to, uh, to, to try and get more race on the calendar in different places. I think I'm all right with so 25 races if we don't uh, have Friday practices. That would be my, that would be the trade-off I'd make. <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't I sit. I couldn't sit through twenty-five Fridays. That would be that would be awful. Oh, Al, please! You could just get fabulous, like lovely trips to Australia, <laughs> like Lawrence managed to squeeze out. I, mean, I, I would. I, I would do anything for a Friday practice right now. You know, as opposed that, to yeah, that's exactly. true. Two months, that's uh, true. That's you know, true. In the face without any form one, but um, no, sadly, that's that's what we're left with. I know it's definitely so unfortunate because I kept saying, "Oh, finally, by this time next week, we'll have something to talk about." We'll be just up to our ears in terms of building the rundown for this show and whatnot. But of course, here we are, unfortunately, and um, all those, looking at this. All those people that tweeted, it's race week on Monday, their, oh. tweet, their tweets didn't come true. That's one of the big bugbears of Twitter right now. Is every, every Monday of a race, I'll say, it's race week. 
and um yeah it, it's become i think it's become a running joke but i yeah we won't have to see that for a few more months at least exactly yeah. <laughs> and i mean like we said uh, there's i suppose so many more questions that we have to ask and i mean we're it feels like it's weighing on us and it's so heavy that there's absolutely nothing everybody's scrambling wondering what to do when to do it and how and we are literally just into the first week of this kind of massive halt i suppose and i mean i, I know exactly how we feel but Lawrence, you were of course down there in australia that's probably the closest that any of us got in the last week to um any of the drivers and whatnot we've seen what they've said like on social media and whatnot and it's obvious how frustrated they and their teams must be but did you get um did you get a feel of what they were saying and really feeling probably behind closed doors while you were there down under? Well, the funny thing was is that once the decision was made, we didn't see any of them. I think um, there were very few drivers in on in the circuit on Friday. As I mentioned, a couple of them had already flown out of Melbourne by the time uh, we were there. But, um, yeah, so we, we didn't actually get to talk to anybody afterwards, but there were a lot of tweets and stuff saying, you know, unfortunate, but the right decision was made. Prior to that, it was clear that there were some people pretty uneasy about it. I mean, Lewis Hamilton was the obvious one. He, yeah. I think he spoke incredibly well and, in fact, said something that or showed leadership that perhaps no one else in Formula 1 was showing on that day. So that was the Thursday before we'd had um, the McLaren test result back and uh, and before all the team bosses had met and discussed it. And Lewis was very clear. and He, he said, you know, I'm surprised we're here. I don't think we should be here. But he said he was shocked that we were all sat in that press conference room together, uh, microphones being shared around among the media and stuff like that. And, you know, when you look back at it, um, it did seem a bit shocking. I, I guess the other side to that is that, you know, if we look at what we were talking about a week before, uh, of course, we were all very excited about going to Melbourne and we believed it was going ahead. Uh, we, I don't think anyone really kind of anticipated it to get as bad as it did within, within the last week. And I think that's true of, um, of, of a lot of governments as well around the world because the health advice uh, has changed dramatically in, in the space of uh, a week and a half or so. So, um, yeah, I, I think there was uh, there were a lot of drivers a little bit uneasy about it. Um, but I think it was quite telling as well because most of them just said, oh, well, we trust the FIA on this. And, um, I, you know, I understand why drivers don't want to create headlines and they don't need to. And they probably keep their personal opinions uh, to themselves even if they don't trust the FIA on it. But I think it was very refreshing for Lewis to come out and say uh, what a lot of people were thinking, um, while a lot of the other drivers, I think, kept their kept their own opinions to themselves. Yeah, it, Nate, what about you? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think um, Lewis is obviously such a polarizing figure, but I think that that's what is so great about him is that he kind of put his neck on the line to to put that to put that forward. And he said, um, "Cash is king," and Chase Carey, the, mm-hmm. after they'd made the announcement, actually referenced that and said, "Well." You know, if Cash was king, we wouldn't be sat here. But you still thought, well, you know, the whole reason we had the delay was for that exact reason, really, was, you know, trying to work out who was going to foot the bill for this whole thing. So um, I was just going to point out one thing that I thought was really cool that a couple of the drivers did. So Max Verstappen and Lando Norris took part in um, some esports racing on, on the I Melbourne, so gonna go the Melbourne there. circuit. Yeah, which um, I think looks like it might become a, a regular thing in this, in this time off. And it kind of shows you the... Um, the power of esports because it's obviously completely unaffected by any of this. You don't need to travel anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. People can still watch it, and it seems like I mean I'm uh, I'm a pretty old man when it comes to this sort of thing. I'm not. I don't think I've ever logged into Twitch. I wouldn't know what I was doing if I was on there. Oh, <laughs> but stop. but it seems like a lot of people um, followed it with a lot of interest. So that was that was pretty cool. And again, it shows you the it shows you the difference in the generations there because obviously the likes of Lewis 
Vettel, Kimi, etc. I don't think really would do much esports stuff away from from racing. But then you know, first chance that Max and Lando get, they're straight onto a um, gaming console to to game. So that was pretty cool. Um, and one, that, one well, that was out. pretty cool. And that, they got some others involved as well. I think they even got like Cuba Court Squad. They got people from yeah. other sports that were, you know, into it as well. So yes. maybe that could be something to do for the next um, three or four weeks. Yeah, maybe. And to be honest, if you're if you're you know, have an esports e- interest, or you're one of these teams that run esports. Um, team or you know you're competing in the championship I think the next couple of months will actually be pretty um, important for that for the recognition of that because it's gonna it's gonna really be the only place people can watch racing um, and, it, and not just in racing and, and you know in a lot of things I think a lot of people are going to start kind of looking over at esports which is completely unaffected by this whole thing um, and sudden, and it's, it's pretty entertaining I was watching bits of it if you actually go on McLaren's social media channels they've got a few of Lando's kind of overtakes and him getting annoyed with another esports driver who <laughs> Um, kind of rudely tries to pass him uh, in Melbourne, and it's just it's just quite fun. It's just quite entertaining. And when you haven't seen racing for however long it's been since Abu Dhabi, now it was quite refreshing to actually see. I know you know you know it's not real, you know it's not a real car and everything, but it's still you know an F one driver racing. So um, yeah, that was hopefully more of them get involved in that. I thought it was, I thought it was great. Well, you'll probably have like be careful what you wish for because then maybe you'll get an email soon saying that you and um, Lawrence have to cover one of these races now. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. I would love that as long as they don't. Make, as long as they don't. Races. As long as they don't ask me to drive in one, I'm absolutely fine because I embarrass myself. <laughs> Should I tell you? Can I tell you a quick story that um, has always haunted me? So I went to the I went to the launch of I think it was F1 2016 in London, and I, mm-hmm. I turned up and there was a bunch of gaming journalists there and myself. Did, I thought there'd be other F1 journalists, and they had all these simulators set up, and they were like, "We're all going to race you, put you in this um, in this race together." And so they kind of announced when I was there, they're like, "Oh, we've got an F1 journalist here." Nate Thornton. I was like, "Oh, okay." And I hadn't used the proper sim thing before, and um, oh. for some reason they said the race you're going to do is three laps of Singapore in the rain. And actually, <laughs> it was quite prophetic because then later that year, or the following year, we had the famous race where Vettel and uh, Max and Kimmy had their crash, but I went, I went barreling into turn one and basically wiped out about half of the field of journalists there. And it was so obvious, it was so obvious it was my fault as well. The replays kept showing it, and they're like, "Oh, it's this F1 journalist here ruined it for everyone." So, um, so yeah, so that would be that would be my immediate withdrawal from uh, uh, any F1 esports. But I think Lazo would be pretty good. Yeah, I feel like Lawrence. You look like you'd you'd take it seriously. Yeah, I don't know if that's a compliment. But, um, yeah, no, I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I haven't played those games for years, actually. But I used to be massively into it. Anybody who's slightly older listening to this will remember the Jeff Cramman Grand Prix yeah, games, and they you. were absolutely brilliant. That and also the uh, the Grand Prix management games. I was always a big fan of those. Um, so I, I think my skills would probably be more more, more kind of lent to uh, sitting on the pit wall and trying to manage a race <laughs> from there than actually getting behind the wheel. But yeah. Um, but hey, you know, I mean, if, if someone's willing to let me have a go at it, I'll give it a go and embarrass myself. But you know, um, but yeah, I, I think I'll probably leave it to the the pros and the and the the gamers. Well, we could probably get our own little F one team together, probably in the office, um, provided that we're still okay to go into the office in the coming days, hopefully. Um, and then maybe we could do something because I'm pretty sure you can't be worse than I am. Hey, that's a good idea. I like the sound of that. Yeah, and, and hey, even if we can't get in the office. We can all play virtually, can't we? I mean, that's the we beauty of, of, of esports. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. we can all play each other online. Kind of like how we're doing this podcast. Amazing Indeed. technology. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess what's next then for you guys? What do you what do you have to do to occupy yourself? Because I think sometimes I feel like you're you're 
job almost gets harder now because you still do have to find that odd story here and there, you know. Yeah, it's, it, we've been kind of joking about what, like, what do we actually do for the next couple of months? But I mean, there's there's things there's things to there's the news agenda is going to be pretty interesting. Obviously, it's going to be dominated by coronavirus, I guess, and actually what the season's going to look like. Um, but the, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I think I think Lawrence and I, we're going to earn our earn our money over the next couple of months because we're going to have to find. <laughs> I think I'm not saying we're going to be scraping the barrel, but you you, you really have to dig deep for content ideas and stuff on on a website or even this podcast i was i was trying to map out earlier i was like well we could probably get some podcasts out in the spell and i was thinking what 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 would we talk about because obviously the, the the main talking point is is the only is the only real one so um it'll be interesting but i'm sure we've got some wacky some cool and wacky ideas up our sleeves right <laughs> yeah sure why not? um one idea that i suggest in to me for this podcast is um is something to do uh on, on well, to basically explain the 2021 regulations because mm. we keep referring to them as this kind of you know looming the thing rules. over formula one exactly and, <laughs> and, and if we have this compressed calendar they're going to be even more significant so i think um that could be uh it could be potential fodder for um for a future podcast is, is explaining exactly what's going to go on in 2021 i know it's looking a bit far down the line but um <laughs> That could be next week's podcast. You never know the different permutations. Yeah, and I, I, I'm massively behind that because Lucy, our producer, who sat here with me, has just made a musical intro for Lawrence Gets Nerdy, which is fantastic. Um, oh yes, I I'm had sure a little bit in that as well. Yeah, which I'm sure she can <laughs> add in to this. But yeah, it's it's fantastic, and it um, absolutely needs to be played on a regular basis. So, hundred percent. I think that whole <laughs> episode should just be Lawrence gets nerdy. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I might not even turn. I might, I might just listen to it. <laughs> Don't think I'd I need to be on there. <laughs> you, you've got you coined the phrase. You've got that's to. true. Yeah, it's, fair, this fair is teamwork. You yeah. coined the phrase. I lend a part of my voice to it, and then Lawrence just lends his infinite knowledge and brain to it. <laughs> I, I like that there's this idea that I'll kind of feature in a podcast and everyone's distancing themselves from it before we've even started. But, um, <laughs> Not distancing, just giving you just giving you the airtime, just giving you a chance okay. to excite. Right. Well, well, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that's a good idea either, but yeah, yeah we, we, I'm sure we can come up with something. We're well, being so, the perfect teammate and letting you shine. Yeah. We're being the bottom tier of Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> my, house, <laughs> my housemate made a completely... Uh, opposite suggestion. My housemate Ian said, um, "Why don't you do a podcast where you talk about the best and worst racing movies ever?" Um, which got us talking about Driven, which has Sylvester Stallone in, and it's one of the funniest bad films ever. So maybe if we're really oh. desperate in a month or two, I can explain why that's one of the like a, a good movie to watch on a bad movie night. Um, I think, we, to be fair, I think we should definitely do that. That could be even in a couple of weeks. We'll just come and give the. And everyone, Survivor's Guide. And everyone needs everyone <laughs> needs movie. everyone needs movie suggestions right now, right? You know, people need to exactly. occupy the time. So maybe that's maybe that's what we'll specialise in over the next couple couple months. Hundred percent. That's exactly the content that we're going to aim to provide because this podcast will go on for sure. Um, forever. I will just. I will say forever, ever, <laughs> ever, ever. And we need to get back into um, pooch pouch. Yes, we do. I found it. I found it now. Did you find it? Oh. And then we had a week where it wasn't, but it was under my suitcase. So when I moved the suitcase, it was under there, which is always <laughs> proof that you've got, to, you've got to tidy things up. You've got to clean your room. It's always oh. <laughs> always a headphone bag somewhere. 100%, 100%. All right, well, gentlemen, final thoughts then for at least this podcast until we see what the future holds? Yeah, 
Um, I'm not really sure. It's it's kind of a weird situation to be in, isn't it? And um, yeah. I'm actually from a from purely talking from a championship perspective, I actually think we're going to get a really really good season, regardless of how many races we get, because there's so much uncertainty and the, the calendar's going to be different. And I've always been a big um, advocate of them mixing things up in terms of how the calendar looks anyway. And this has obviously been completely enforced. But the fact they're going to have to do that, you know, potentially having China right at the end of the calendar just before Abu Dhabi. It's just, you know, that, that race suddenly has much different kind of, um, weight, I guess. It just feels different if, if there's a championship on the line. So, um, kind of just really fascinated to see what happens when we actually get back to racing, but, um, it might be a while. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, much the same really. Just fingers crossed that, um, that we can get back to racing and, uh, and also, uh, kind of sending out, um, some kind of uh, support for the, for the guys, the McLaren guys, which are still in Australia. They're they're stuck there for well, they've got 14 days of quarantine. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty tough. There were a lot of people who were able to get straight out of Australia, um, myself included, fortunately. But yeah, there's a lot of people that had to kind of hang around there for whatever reason, be it travel plans or or um, quarantine. Indeed. So um, yeah, kind of hoping that everyone uh, get gets well as soon as possible and we can go back to racing. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Definitely a sad world without sport. It makes our job all the more difficult, but of course we know that there's more important things to be fighting right now, and we definitely hope that that fight can come to an end very, very soon. But thank you guys. It was good to actually talk to you, even though we can't have, you know, physical contact. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to get some banter. We'll get our, you know, our, our wheels in our head moving so that we could probably churn out some interesting comment, content in the next couple of weeks, both on paper and for this podcast and we hope that you know everyone will stay tuned and write it out with us and hopefully hopefully we're one step closer to a solution to it all